Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Strip by Sia, your podcast for strippers, sex workers, and all the fancy naked people in between. I am your host, Steph Sia, aka Kimchi on stage. I am a stripper. I am also a digital content creator, so I have an OnlyFans, I make videos, I do feet pics, I do all these random things online, and I was also a former sugar baby many, many moons ago. And have had a fun time at seeking arrangement a long time ago. No longer doing that anymore. <laughs> and now I am currently focusing on this podcast, which is all about destigmatizing sex work. So the way that I do that is through the lived experiences of sex workers by telling their stories and just showing what it's like, you know, getting the real ropes around things and kind of getting the 411, if anyone still says the 411. <laughs> when I'm like 90 years old. <laughs> <laughs> the formal one on like pretty much every aspect of sex work and this industry. So I am very, very, very excited to bring on this week's guest who I have been very lightly stalking on Twitter and we've been <laughs> communicating and like liking each other's posts and everything. And I think she's great and I'm so excited to get to know her a bit better. I am introducing on the show, I am introducing and bringing on Elizabeth Weiss onto the podcast today. Elizabeth, are you there? I am. Hi. Hi. It's so lovely to finally like e-meet you today. Yay. Yeah. I've been wanting this to happen for so long. So I'm I'm really glad we've been able to make it happen. And me too. Like I <laughs> I tend to like kind of like watch people and interact with people um, a bit before I like ask people to be like, hey, like, I think you'd be a really great fit um, for the show. And like, after a few conversations, I was like, you know, I think it's time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so so Elizabeth is a companion based out of Ottawa, I believe. I think you, yeah, you originated from Montreal first. And then now you're like kind of residing in the Ottawa area in Canada. Uh, yes, I am, although I am going to be moving to Toronto in February. What? Yeah, which I'm super excited about. Um, but yeah, I am originally from Montreal, born and bred, uh, lived in New York for a bit, um, and then moved to Ottawa in 2019, a few months before the world exploded. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Really. Uh, to start my master's here in uh, criminology. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, that is currently on pause. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's a little bit about me. That is really cool. I actually, well, I majored in criminology. I know. Yeah, majored in criminology, minored in gender studies. And then now I feel like everything is like coming full, full circle with the podcast and everything that I do. So yay, my degree yeah. is not, not for waste. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's why I've also been lightly stalking you. Because <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I really admire what you do. Uh, oh. podcast, and I really like um, how you, you know, bring a criminal, uh, criminological and sociological uh, <laughs> background to things. Yes. Yes, it's it's so nice to have that. And like, I just, that was just an interest I had, like, growing up, like, I was like, oh, I really want to go to law school. And then like, 
getting to third year, I'm like, I don't know if it's going to be a thing anymore. Paths change and everything, but I don't want to shift the focus. It's not about me today. It's all about you. And we're learning about uh, agencies and, and independent work. So I know we had discussed this really briefly in the privilege episode that I did with Jesse Sage of the, on the Horizon podcast. We had uh, spoken really briefly about like independent work which she does and what she offers, uh, but she wasn't able to fully speak or represent or talk about um, escort agency work. And the last time I had spoken about this was really, really like a long time ago with I think Yana Petrova as well as Karina Riviera, who are both based here in Vancouver, about their really, really short-lived experiences in an agency. And mm -hmm. I just really wanted to hear a bit more about your experience and even like the differences, like maybe it's a bit different more so on the East Coast than the West Coast. And like, as Jessie said, she's like, I'm not really sure. Like, is there agencies out there? Like there are some, but like she's not really familiar. So I really want to have an episode that we can learn a bit more about that avenue. Um, but before we get started, I just wanted to ensure that I gave you a good definition. I just want you to kind of, I want to throw it back to you to mm. kind of define to the audience um, who you are and what it is that you do on your own words and in your own terms. And go. Um, yeah. Um, so my name is Elizabeth Weiss, as you introduced me. <laughs> <laughs> I have been working in the industry for about five to six years now. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have been independent for the past three years. I would say fully independent since 2018. Okay. Um, I started in the, uh, okay, well, <laughs> um, what, what do I do? Um, well, I identify as a companion. Mm -hmm. um, I, uh, I work as a full service uh, sex worker. Mm -hmm. um, and hmm, what else about me? <laughs> what else do you not do, though? You do so many things. <laughs> yes, I'm, cry. Uh, I'm a dog mom. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. If, if anyone hears me panting or barking, that is Elizabeth's dog, Bear, in the background. So yes. hello, Bear. <laughs> currently staring very earnestly at me, hoping I will give her another treat to distract her. <laughs> I have to midway. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Today's going to be a very good day for Bear. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so um well basically so I started in the industry I would say around 2014 uh with agencies mm -hmm. um so I'm originally from Montreal yes um I grew up uh and this kind of has something to do with somewhat of my origin story I'd say okay um so I grew up within the ultra-orthodox Jewish community in Montreal Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it looks like <laughs> yeah. a little bit, but yeah. Yeah, so um, for me, like, religion was never really my thing. I kind of started exiting the community uh, when I was 13. Um, but I did end up getting married when I was 19 to my first boyfriend. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, so... We ended up staying together until I was 24, mm -hmm. and uh, then we ended up splitting up, and I ended up moving back in with my parents, and uh, I mean, you can kind of imagine what that's like, considering <laughs> how different we are. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, that must have been so challenging. I don't it, know. it was. It definitely was. Yeah. Um, 
And so, yeah, so basically, before I had gotten divorced, I had been watching A Secret Diary of a Call Girl. Oh, yeah, classic. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember my ex was just like, what the fuck are you watching? Sorry, can we curse on here? Oh, absolutely. Like, okay. what you want. <laughs> so, yeah, so my ex was kind of just like, what the fuck are you watching? Like, what is this? And I was like, no, this is, like, really interesting. Like, I'm curious. And, um, yeah. And so then basically when I moved back in with my parents, I was kind of just like, okay, I need to make money and I, I need to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I found my first agency on Craigslist. <laughs> oh, on Craigslist. What? Yeah. Back in the day when like they still had the sex work ads on there. Long um, ago. Holy. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, basically one of the ads basically said, uh, join your agency and get a thousand dollars. And yeah. And I was like, well, this is awesome. Like there's like, you know, two months rent right there or like, you know, at least a month or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I ended up contacting the, the guy, um, like just like emailing him off of the back of Craigslist. And I was just like, hi. And, and I was so naive. Like I used my real email address with my oh. name. I told him which university I was in. Oh my God. All of the things that you probably shouldn't do. <laughs> oh yeah. Big time. But I, I had no idea. Like when you're first entering the industry and you don't know anybody. Oh yeah. Kind of just. You know, you're just kind of throw your trust out there into the world. And yep. so, yeah. Oh, yeah. We've all been there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we all so, made that mistake. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. So, little 24 year old me <laughs> um, basically, like, you know, sent some like what I thought were like sexy selfies of like me in my like messy bedroom. Oh, my God. <laughs> this random dude. And he was like, yeah, like, and, and I was like, so insecure. I was like, oh my God, like, is anybody even going to want me? Like, yeah. I don't really want to do this. Um, and yeah, so he like answered me like right away, like 30 minutes later. And he's like, hi, yeah, sure. I, I'd love to meet with you. Like, you look really great. Like, I like that you're in school and you have plans and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. And so we made plans to meet at the second cup uh, on Peel. Okay. Um, downtown Montreal. Yeah. And uh, I remember I asked him, I was like, oh, is it okay if I bring a friend with me? And right here, this should have been a red flag. And he was just like, no, you can't bring any friends with you. Like, this is like in a very like autonomous industry. Like, if you can't be by yourself, then, you know, you're really not cut out for this. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Yeah. Here. Okay. Yeah, so that was, like, red flag number one. Yeah. Um, but I just, like, I was like, oh, like, we're meeting in a public space. Like, I'm just going to go. Um, so I went, and I met this random dude um, at the second cub, and we sit down, and we're chatting and whatever. And, uh, and again, like, my whole knowledge of the industry was Secret Diary of a Call Girl. So I thought that, like, we make, like, $1,000 an hour and – you know oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah and he tells me he's like yeah so it's 120 dollars an hour that you get to keep for an in-call and for an out-call you get to keep um 110 I believe mm. and I remember I kind of like looked at him and I was like what yeah you're like what excuse me yeah and then at the same time too he basically like told me that I had to provide certain services 
um, that at the time I really wasn't very comfortable with. Um, yeah. Cause I asked him, I was like, Oh, like we do everything with a condom. And he's like, no, not, not for blowjobs. He's like, you have to do that. Like without a condom, he's like, that's the, the industry standard in Montreal. He's like, if you're not going to do that, he's like, you're not going to make any money. Um, yeah. And so boundaries for you pretty much, um, oh and not to like jump ahead, um, but I ended up being in a somewhat similar situation about two years later when I was checking out another agency. Mm-hmm. And luckily at this point I had more experience. Um, but this guy was basically telling me that not only did I have to do all of that, but I was going to have to allow, um, clients to come in my mouth and I was going to have to provide Greek or anal sex. Um, and he basically told me that I wouldn't be able to work in Montreal if I wouldn't do those things. What? <laughs> yeah. Luckily at that point, I had a lot more knowledge of the industry and I knew yeah. that that wasn't true. Totally. And, and again, um, and this is kind of an, a reoccurring theme that I had with agencies. It was always with your body type, clients are only mm-hmm. going to know you for X. Um, oh, God. Yeah. What the um, fuck? <laughs> oh yeah God. so sorry no it's okay um yeah, <laughs> you learn. yeah true um, it's true yeah but luckily with that guy uh the one two years later like I just kind of like I remember he looked at me and I kind of just I he had kind of and I know this might sound weird but he kind of had what I would call devil eyes like that his eyes just kind of like were these piercing blue eyes that just stared directly into me oh my god and, and made me just really scared yeah um, and I found out years later from somebody else that my my hunch was bang on oh my god yeah yeah um but anyway I'm, I'm jumping around a bit that's okay um, we'll go back <laughs> Rewind to two years. (laughs) Um, So yeah, so going back to the first agency. So basically, um, I kind of, you know, I, I I knew nothing about the industry. I was just kind of over eager and excited that you know somebody wanted to work with me. Um, And I remember I asked him. I was like, oh, like I've I've never done this before. Like, is is that okay? And he said to me, and again, another red flag. Yeah, never say that. um actually we prefer new girls um because they're not as set in their ways wow yeah yeah baby yeah at that point I didn't know what that meant but that basically meant like um already have their own boundaries restrictions know what is and isn't acceptable within the industry exactly yeah um so, so yeah, so unfortunately some agencies are, are super predatory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, so basically what ended up happening was I ended up agreeing to work with him. Um, he said he was a photographer. So I remember I, um, like lugged my bag of like boots and like sexy clothes, like out of my bedroom in my parents' house. And my parents were like, where are you going with all that stuff? Oh my gosh. Yeah, I, I remember I was like, oh, I'm going for a job interview at a, um, at a, to work at a club they said we should bring a few outfits they'll decide <laughs> For what reason? Uh, okay <laughs> and um yeah so I like went off to this like apartment in Rosemount and um we did the photo shoot and I remember like he was like sweating all over the like all over the place and I was just, yeah and I was a little creeped out 
Um, but anyway, we did the photo shoot. Nothing, thankfully, nothing like happened. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then we finish, and I go to him. Okay, can I have my thousand dollars, please? And he goes to me, uh, no, I'm not going to give you that right now. He's like, you have to make the agency $3,000 before I give you that $1,000. What? Yeah. And I was just like, um, like, no, like, how do I know that you're not just like going to take these pictures of me and like put me on some like, I don't know, amateur porn website or something. Like, I, I have no idea like what you're who you are and what your intentions are with me. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. And he, um, and he goes to me, he's like, Oh, well, you know, if we're going to work together, you're just going to have to trust me. Um, And this was around Christmas time in December. And so he goes into like another back room and he like comes out with this like child size blow dryer and hairbrush. Okay. And he goes to me, he's like, look, my children live here. These are gifts that I bought them for Christmas. Do you really think that I would, you know, bring you to my children's home what? if I had any, like, you know, bad intentions? What the fuck? Yeah, this was also one of the in-calls, by the way. Like, what? <laughs> so I, I don't really know if his children actually ever came there or if, like, he just kept this child-sized blow dryer and hairbrush to, like, prey on like sympathetic women i, oh I have God. that's so um, wild to me oh my God. <laughs> i cannot comprehend this yeah but at this point i was like well i really took the photos like i'm already this far like all right yeah yeah <laughs> um so yeah so kind of um yeah so i ended up starting to work with them um mm-hmm. it, it was okay um but the the clients that they had weren't exactly the greatest. Um, what do you mean by that? How would you describe? They, I mean, I guess I would kind of compare it to the way that I have with my clients that I see now, which is more like we develop sort of like a relationship and a friendship yeah. with each other. Of course. We take time. We, we, we get to know each other first. We have a drink. We chat. Um, we it's kind of develop. Develop. Yeah, it's kind of like an ongoing friendship um, is developed mm-hmm. um, versus the clients that he had coming there were, they weren't really very interested to get to know me. They kind of just like came in right away, giving you kind of that look of like, so we're going to start this? Like, hello? Yeah, um, I hear you. Yeah, they, they kind of like, they had like a, a, a set list of services that they wanted to get through. Sometimes mm-hmm. they wanted to get through it multiple times. Um, like I remember like one booking that they sent me on that was two hours and like the, the guy that was booking it was just like, yeah, so he wants to like have like four shots. Like, you know, um, he wants to come four times within the two hours. Like, what? Yeah, he's like, he said he'll only book you if you'll do that. Can you do it? And I was just like. Can you uh, do that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know I can't even really remember but I was just like uh I don't, like I'll try like I don't know this person like yeah. like this like you know kind of also like age plays a factor here and- yeah totally and you're not like some like sex bot yeah exactly and, and so that's kind of exactly how it was was it was basically just like them expecting me to be a sex bot um and basically um they were heavily into their review boards um, oh my god that's problematic too. 
Yeah, so, like, I remember kind of, like, my first, um, one of my first out calls, um, he, like, the agency guy was like, yeah, so, like, you know, you have to perform, like, a really, really good service for him, because, like, this guy can, like, make or break you, like, if you get, like, a good review with him, like, you'll be a really busy lady, but otherwise, like, no, and I'm just like, uh, okay, wow. <laughs> like, yeah. oh my gosh. You know, and, but I remember at that point, like, I was so naive that I was just like, oh my goodness, like, I, I have to, like, do so good. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. And, like, when they're, like, laying down the pressure on you and, like, mm -hmm. you don't know any better, it's like, oh my god, oh my god, I need, I need to do this, I need to perform. It, exactly, yeah. Like, it, it felt, like, very, very performative and mm -hmm. I couldn't really be myself. Um, and then also just some of the clients were just like, you know, a bit more on the rough side. Um, mm -hmm. and the other thing is, is, um, with, with agencies, like you don't do any of the screening, you are completely relying, uh, putting your safety in the hands of another. And the other is somebody who is profiting off of as many bookings as you can possibly make. Right. Exactly. Um, because they're basically earning a commission off of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, sometimes like, like basically what can end up happening is, is they, they, they won't screen properly. So certain clients that, you know, maybe within the independent, independent community are known as dangerous kind of fall through the cracks. Right. Um, and end up, you know, sneaking into the agencies because they know that, I mean, as far as I know, not one agency that I worked for in Montreal ever screened. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. Um, and even sometimes, and I've heard this has happened to other girls as well in other agencies, um, is sometimes there are clients that uh, we will report to the agency and we'll tell them, hey, this guy is dangerous. Don't send anybody there. Yeah. And they just send somebody else. What the hell? Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't like, care. Yeah, they, they, exactly. They don't care. Um, and so that, that ended up happening to me one night where it was really, really slow. And he sent me off to go see this guy. Um, and, and he was quite rough with me. Um, luckily, I, I kind of, you know, tried my best to stick up for myself and tried to, you know, get through the situation in the safest way possible. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, it was really uncomfortable. And, um, and I remember I said to him after, you know, I was like, Hey, like, don't send anybody there. And he was like, Oh yeah. You know, we've heard things about that guy. And oh, I was like, God. uh, so you sent me there. Why? He's like, well, it was quiet. You said you wanted something. I'm like, yeah, I wanted something, but not like, no. <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah, especially like if they've already heard and had accounts from other workers that this person is unsafe and they still go and like send girls out like that is like a blatant disregard for like your safety. Mm -hmm. That's so fucked up. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I remember then um, I, I had made friends with another girl that was in the agency and I, I kind of, I think, brought it up to her and she was like, oh my God, that guy. She's like, I told him not to send anybody there. And I was like, oh, so you were the one that warned them. Thank you yeah. for warning them. I, I wish I would have known, you know, and, and this was another thing as well was um, they didn't want us to be friends with each other. Oh, okay. So like, they didn't want you to be like mingling with the other workers. With the other workers, exactly. They, they didn't want us to have each other's phone numbers. Um, they didn't want us to live together because at one point uh, me and another provider were discussing um, sharing an apartment. Um, they, yeah, they, they didn't want us to be friends or have any conversations. 
Um, and I've heard this as well from other uh, providers that have worked in other agencies. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and basically, like, they were just like, oh, well, you know, like, you and X are kind of the, the two top girls that we have. And, like, you know, we don't want you running off with, uh, you know, with our clients and starting your own agency. Oh, what? <laughs> like, is that your reasoning? <laughs> yeah, like, you know, I'm allowed to go independent if I want to go independent. Um, yeah. I, I just remember that um, this that she'd come over to my house one time and and the whole three hours that she was there, like, like it was basically the guy's name that owned the place. His name was Don. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he had this other guy named Mike that was like kind of like training under him as an apprentice. And the whole entire time that my friend was over and we were trying to talk, um, Mike just kept calling and calling and calling and like texting and texting. And I was just like, what do you want? Leave yeah. me alone. Oh my God. Yeah. And, and a guy I was seeing at the time, he was just like, you know, like, this is really sketchy. Like, yeah. um, I don't it know why. Weird. Yeah. Like, it's well, like a matter of like, um, it's like a control tactic, like isolating, isolation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's really like, and it's really like scary. And like, I want to say shocking, but like, I think it's probably happens in other places too. Oh, yeah, 100%. Right? 100%. And then yeah. as well, another thing that ended up happening um, with other agencies, um, because basically, I did my undergrad in sociology. Um, yes. And so while I was doing my undergrad, like within the last three years, um, I started focusing primarily on sex workers' rights within, within like, the research that I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I became very informed um, on the laws and, you know, what was and wasn't okay. And when I became informed that way, um, I kind of started telling other girls when the agency guys were acting shady, I'd be like, well, actually, by law, they're yeah. not allowed to be doing that. They are the third party. We, we do have some rights. Yeah. Um, and so the the guys in the agencies really didn't like that. And so what they would start doing to punish me is giving me less bookings. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. And and I've spoken to another girl recently and she said that something very similar happened to her where she was also kind of trying to, you know, bring the girls together uh, mm-hmm. or the work together so that they, you know, could, you know, form their own little community, protect each oh, other. Really? Yeah, each other have that camaraderie. Exactly, and and she got in trouble for that as well. So this is definitely um, a very common theme. Um, Yeah, but but long story short, with the first agency, um, I ended up working for them for about three months. I Mm -hmm. never saw that thousand dollars. Yeah, and and basically, I ended up leaving, and I ended up moving on to um, another agency. Mm -hmm. um and with them things were okay okay um but I mean it was also still the same thing that um you know there was kind of just like a set list of services I show up I must perform said services and that was kind of you know the, the whole way that it was and it was kind of felt very much um just like robotic. Yeah, I, I was about to say like a factory worker, but robotic makes it exactly similar. Yeah, <laughs> similar. Yeah. Sure. You know, like kind of working on the line, you know, in the factory. Yeah. Oh um, 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I ended up staying with them for about another three months. And um, I, I then ended up leaving the industry for a bit just because I was like, I don't know, like this, this isn't really like for me the way that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up going back to work at um, like Second Cup. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was making about like $100 for working 10 hours. And, and I was yeah. I was just not happy. And I kind of, um, I remembered the fact that, you know, as much as I didn't like um, how robotic things were with the agencies, I did still like, not all the clients were, were that terrible. Some of them actually did take their time to get to know me, chat with yeah. me. It didn't, it, we, some of them, you know, I kind of ended up giving them my number and we would end up seeing each other, you know, on the side without the agency and kind of developed ongoing relationships like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I remembered like that was something that I liked, um, but I still had no knowledge of how to go independent. Right. Um, so I ended up joining another agency again and I ended up doing that for about two years. Oh, wow. That's a huge yeah. job. Huge. Yeah. What yeah. was different about this one? What was different about this one? Yeah. Um, well, what I liked about this one was, is um, I didn't have to provide a standard of service. <laughs> yeah, that's a huge thing. Yeah, absolutely. It, yeah. So it was really, it was like, if, if I wanted to do certain extra services, then I could charge extra for said services. Mm-hmm. Um, and And I could completely keep those. So already like, per booking what I was making went from like $120 an hour to maybe 220 maybe $300. And so, you know, having a little bit more autonomy, autonomy and agency within that setting made me feel a bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, but the issue with them was, is um, they operated under what I call the bait and switch model. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Please elaborate. Uh, yeah. So basically they uh, just pulled random photos off the internet of these hot girls. Oh no. And, uh, made little bios about them, uh, gave them some names and then basically the client would call, say, hi, I'd like to see Layla. Mm-hmm. And I would show up and um, within one evening, I could be Layla, Jen, and Stephanie. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah, like when, whenever I'd get out of the car with those ones, I'd be like, what's my name again? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> um, and a lot of the times, the clients knew that they were being baited and switched. Yeah, it's like totally being catfished. Yeah, totally being catfished. And sometimes they were okay with it because they'd kind of, they'd look at me and they'd be like, okay, you're not the girl, but you're hot. So whatever, you can stay. (laughs) (laughs) But other times they would get genuinely upset. And as, as, how can I say it? As, as much as my quote unquote, my feelings were hurt to be kind of like sent back to the car, you know? I kind of still understood and kind of like a funny story that happened was um, one time uh, somebody booked Jen and I showed up and I walk into the room and the guy's like, okay, yeah, you're not a Brazilian porn star. And I go go to him, "Um, sorry, what? He's like, like, yeah, he's like the photos on the website. He's like, that's yeah, he's like, that's like some famous Brazilian porn star. He's like, I he's like, I kind of knew that she wasn't going to show up, but I kind of just wanted to see what would happen. And like, you know, <laughs> she would. <laughs> 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 
So then, like, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm sure because, like, that's not what they ordered. Like, some clients would probably get upset and then they would send you back. Yeah, big time. And and it would be especially, like, problematic when we would do bachelor parties and it would be, like, six oh. of us showing up. And they'd only want to keep, like, one or two of us. And the rest of us, they're like, okay, like, no. Like, that really doesn't look like the photos. And Oh, my gosh. I, yeah, and, and I always felt really bad in those situations because there was one yeah. night where they basically, out of six of us, they only wanted me to stay. And I was like, uh, no, like, you're dissing my friends. Like, I'm I'm leaving. And I remember, like, some of the other girls, they were like, oh, it's okay. Like, you can stay. And I was like, no, like, this is, number one, this is a dangerous situation. Like, do not stay yeah. one day alone with yeah. 20 um but also on on the other side I was just like I I just I hate them now because they're mean (laughs) 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 oh wow so yeah this is like a completely different experience than the other two agencies for sure yeah this this, yeah like basically what I ended up doing is um I ended up working with that one and um, it's funny how this happened kind of twice, which was um, another guy that had worked for this agency. The first one that I was working for, he kind of copied his business model. Oh my God. His his own agency. So I ended up working for the two bait and switch uh, agencies. (laughs) And I didn't know when I ended up asking this other guy to work for him that he'd kind of screwed over the quote-unquote manager of the other agency. Oh, my God. So yeah. twisted. <laughs> so, like, you were there at these bait and switch agencies. And, like, what, what was it, like, I mean, at what point did you want to switch over to go independent? Um, very and, like, reasoning why. Like, why, why at that point and, like, what was the main motivation? Yeah. Um, well, I would say like, number one, I, I was tired of giving a cut um, to mm-hmm. people that really didn't give a crap about me. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and who, you know, didn't, didn't care, weren't screening, um, you know, sent me into certain situations, like, you know, with guys that were like super intoxicated and they were talking to them on the phone. They could have they could have, you know, sensed that the guy was super intoxicated and, and still just sent me there. Totally. Um, you know, so I, I was tired of that, um, you know, and, and as well, just in terms of safety, like the, the first um, one of the agencies, the guy actually, um, he would, the guy that would pick us up, he would drive so fast that I'd be scared for my life. Oh, my God. Um, and one night he actually got in a car accident with one of the girls that he was uh, driving. What? Yeah. Yeah. Thank goodness they were both okay. Um, like, the car kind of, like, swerved and did, like, a huge, like, U-turn. Oh, my gosh. That's um, terrifying. Yeah. And so he crashed the car. Um, and that's terrifying. But in addition to that, the next day he shows up to pick us all up and he is driving a car that has no license plates. Oh my God. Um, and the brakes have issues. How is this okay? Like, I, I don't know. And I, and I also don't know, like, I, I really like want to slap a younger version of myself across the face for actually getting in that car. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, so, so I, I was tired of giving money to people that really didn't care about me, um, that undervalued me. 
Um, you know, they, they would basically say that, oh, I'm, I'm hard to book because I'm career and I, and I quote unquote, I have a big ass. Isn't that um, a good thing? Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a pro, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, at bachelor parties, I was very, um, <laughs> what's the word? <laughs> I was very sought after <laughs> because of my large ass. <laughs> because of your assets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's go there. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> wow. So, like, there were so many different factors. Yeah, at this point, I guess, like, collectively over the past few years, you're like, okay, enough is enough. It's time for me to move on. Exactly. Exactly. And so what I kind of like started doing already was, um, you know, giving my number to certain clients that I mm-hmm. felt like, oh, you seem nice. Like, I'd like to see you again. I, mm-hmm. um, I got on seeking arrangements. Um, and, and I was like trying to go independent. But again, I had no clue at all what I was doing. Um, yeah. And so basically, actually, what ended up happening was, is I had been telling one of my friends uh, who wasn't in the industry, just... Um, but who knew what I was doing? I was just telling her like, you know, what was going on and, you know, how unhappy I was, um, you know, like, and, uh, and she said to me, she, she said to me one day, she said, Oh, Hey, um, you know, there's this collective in, in Montreal. I'm not going to say its name. I don't know if I should or I shouldn't. That's okay. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. And so she said, you know, there's this collective in Montreal and, uh, you know, my, my friend, she, she, you know, she works with them. Um, she says like, you know, you can rent out like spaces and, you know, they can kind of help you with going independent. Oh, cool. Yeah. And I was, and so I, I reached out to them and I sent them an email. Um, but I, I really, I had again, no idea whatsoever what I was getting into. I thought like still they were getting me the clients, but maybe it was just like a bit of a, a lesser cut that I would have to give. Like, I, I really didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so basically I, I, I emailed them and they said, Oh, you know, like we're having a, um, like an, like an open house basically, mm-hmm. uh, for the in-call show up on X day and, you know, somebody's going to show you around. Um, so I showed up, I went over there and she, you know, she explained to me that, um, you know, how the, the in-call space works. Right. Um, you know, like the cuts that we have to give for using the space and whatever. And I was like, okay, cool. So like, are you guys going to help me get clients? <laughs> <laughs> and she goes to me, uh, no, she's like, that's something that you have to do yourself. She's like, we just provide you the space to work in. Right. Um, and she's like, you know, and she's like, also like, we'll give you like access to like Slack. So like this way, like you'll, you'll have like the ability to talk to other girls and you can ask to other workers. And she's like, you can ask questions. Awesome. Um, That's so helpful. Yeah, it was. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And just as we were finishing, um, up like her showing me around, um, another girl came down, mm-hmm. uh, Camille Herring, okay. uh, she's on Twitter. And so, yeah, so she had basically just finished a booking and she came downstairs and, um, and basically like the other girl that I was with, her name is, uh, Dorothy Fairman. She was like, oh, um, you know, this is at the time I was called Adriana and she's like, oh, this is Adriana. Like, you know, she's just starting out in the, like as an independent, like maybe you can kind of show her the ropes. Oh, and so cool. Camille, yeah. And Camille was like, yeah, sure. Like, you know, we'll, we'll sit down, we'll chat. 
And so basically, like, me and I, like, ended up going out. Like, uh, I took her out for, like, for soup. And, um, you know, like, we had some soup and we were chatting. And, like, she was just basically, like, telling me, like, you know, like, where to advertise, what to do. Yeah, and so, and then basically, like, we ended up chatting a bit more, and she kind of said to me, she was like, look, like, you know, we're not actually adding anybody on the website right now because of some, you know, internal issues that we're having, but she's like, Mm -hmm. you know, you you seem nice, like, I don't think you're going to cause, like, any problems, like, I'll add you to the website. Cool. Yeah, and I was like, oh my god, like, thank you, (laughs) like, thank you, like, this is so awesome. That's so so nice, like, it's almost like, like... She's like almost like a mentor to you and like someone to help guide you and like help you get started. Cause not, not all of us have that, that help in the beginning. Exactly. That's so, so, so like resourceful. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So glad that ha- like you were able to take advantage of that. Yeah, same. Um, and so, yeah, so like basically she kind of just like, she put me on the website and luckily like a friend and I, we had already taken like somewhat professional photos <laughs> and so like I just like I remember like I showed them to her and they're so bad oh my god so bad so cheesy like oh wow <laughs> makes me laugh now yeah yeah like like oh my god the faces like oh <laughs> cringe yeah <laughs> and she was just like and like people who've been following me since like the beginning on twitter they they will know which photos i'm referring to i want to see them now (laughs) i'll see if i can find them somewhere good little throwback (laughs) um yeah so like i remember like i showed them to her and i was like yeah like are these okay and she's like oh no these are awesome and i was like okay (laughs) and so she like posted my profile on the website and um and yeah so like I kind of like started doing that a bit Mm -hmm. um but um but I was still working with the agency at the same time because starting out as an independent is is really really hard yeah and particularly in Montreal um at that time I I wasn't offering what's termed full GFE which means I I wasn't offering um low jobs without condoms Mm. um so within montreal i mean there's girls that they they've there's workers that have figured out how to make it uh to make that business model work for them but Mm. for me i i was really really struggling to get bookings um independently Mm. that way because the clients would just ask and i i would be honest obviously because i'm not Um, and they would just you know basically tell me like oh sorry you know not interested um so yeah so I was pretty much still staying with the agency um but still trying to figure out how to go independent Mm -hmm. um and then basically um so I had started with the collective in um December of 2017 and around uh May of 2018 they let all of us know that um we were gonna have to have our own websites now um oh to be listed or like Yeah. yeah Because oh, basically, um, the collectives, uh, the collective was kind of in crisis with the laws that got mm-hmm. with thirty six that got passed. Yes, the third party clause. So basically, having just our profile with photos and a little bio, the collective could f- potentially face um, charges as a yeah. as a third party advertiser. Right. Um, so basically, they they kind of gave us all a warning, and they were just like, "Hey, um, you need to have a website." 
Yeah, by, by August, like you guys all have to have websites. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to keep you on the on the actual uh, main website. Okay. Yeah. Um. But but honestly, I mean, in a way, it was kind of a bit of a blessing in disguise because having a website is one of the key components um, for looking like a reputable independent. Oh, totally. Yeah. Huge push uh, for you. Exactly. But at that time, I was so new and so fresh. I was just like, oh, my God, I have to make a website. Like, <laughs> what's happening? Um, um, so, yeah. So, um, so basically, one of the, one of the uh, one of the other workers within the collective, she was really nice. She sat down with me. She kind of helped me make my first website. Um, it, it was also super cringe, like, <laughs> you know, you like, start somewhere. Yeah. It was like, you know, pictures with like text over it and you can hardly read the text and no. yeah, <laughs> it was a disaster. Um, You've come a long way, right? <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't do that. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, so basically like I was kind of still, um, working with the agency and doing that. Um, but then basically what ended up happening was, is, um, I started seeing on Twitter that Fosta Sesta was coming down the pipeline. Yes. And so I warned the agency that I was working with. I said, Hey, um, you know, the way that you're listing yourself, the keywords, all of those things, um, when Fosta Sesta happens, your website is going to be at risk. You should be careful. Mm -hmm. And he goes to me, oh, babe, I've been in this business for over 20 years. Don't worry. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, uh, his website got taken down just as I warned him. (laughs) There we go. There we go. Yeah. And uh, and so what ended up happening was is he um, needed to start like um, advertising on the directories. And he was still using those um, fake pictures. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, but when you're advertising on the directories, you're kind of catering more to the Montreal crowd because previously what he'd been catering to is the out of town. Oh, okay. Like people visiting or passing through. Yeah. Who don't really know about the fact that they're a bait and switch agency. Don't do their research. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, so basically like he was still, um, advertising these like very thin models showing up. And so I was getting no bookings and I was like, well, why can't you just post some pictures of like, you know, somebody that looks more like me or even a photo of actual me? Yeah, seriously. Yeah. But he was like, oh no, babe. He's like, you know, like I, I hired now two girls that fit the pictures really, really perfectly. And I'm, I'm just focusing on them. And I was like, yeah, but I need to pay my rent. Yeah. He, he was actually the one that encouraged me to go independent. And he was like, you know, babe, he's like, you know, you're, you're really smart. And, you know, I have a feeling you're going to do really, really well as an independent, like just, just go, just, just try. And I was like, thank you. I I've been trying. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I kind of depend on you like, hello. Um, but anyways, it ended up working out for its benefit. Um, I started touring more. I started working much, much harder on, um, getting my business to where I wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. And, um, basically by pretty much that, I'd say probably by like September of 2018, I, I went fully independent. Wow. Oh my gosh. This is such an incredible story. Yeah. Thank you so much. Like, oh yeah, definitely some cringy, 
<laughs> stories there, cringy accounts, but also like really shows like your resiliency and wanting to really be successful in this line of work because it's not easy. No, it's it's not easy. It's it's definitely it's not. Um, but I'm 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 glad you know that things worked out the way that it did because I'm mm-hmm. I'm much much happier working as an independent. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah, I'll kind of let you. I feel like I've just been going on and on, so I'll kind of no. It's great. <laughs> Your story is is so compelling, and I'm really really glad that I was like I'm just gonna let her go. Go oh, okay. <laughs> <Stop> off, girl. <laughs> Yeah, like it's really interesting. And like, as I was listening, just hearing about the the tactics, which we already kind of highlighted a little bit, the control tactics, Mm -hmm. um, different kind of um, strategies that they would use to bait customers. Um, Also, with your stories demonstrating the, um, the risk that's involved mm-hmm. and like how your safety is, is put on the line that's in right. so many different ways. Yeah. I mean, I can even give you like an example of something that yeah. happened uh, with a friend. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. So, you know, so basically on Sundays when we would work, there would be no driver. Um, and so basically the $30 cut that we would give per booking to the driver would be given to us to use for, to cab around. Um, so we'd basically be showing up to clients that are not screened in a cab with no backup other than the agency guy off somewhere in, I don't know, Dorval or wherever he lived. Oh my gosh. 30 minutes away. Yeah. Um, and just basically texting him, you know, I'm in, got cash and him being like, thumbs up emoji. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Seriously? Yeah. Um, and so basically that one night, uh, my friend and I were working and, um, I had gone to go see this one client, um, and we were, and, and he was sharing, um, a room with this other guy. And, um, so I came into the room and, you know, I, I sat down and his friend kind of like left and he had a, uh, water bottle filled with vodka and he was like, Oh, I'm going on a walk. And so I like sat there and I was chatting with the client and whatever, and I did my thing. And then my friend went back to see his friend, the guy that had walked off with a water bottle filled with vodka. Yeah. I kind of didn't really register, you know, the fact that the guy was going to be really, really drunk. Yeah. I went off to my next booking. Um, As I'm about to leave that booking, I get a phone call from my friend. And I was just leaving and I was saying goodbye to the client. Um, so I didn't pick up right away. Yeah. But I, I left the room. As I'm walking to the elevator, I, I, I call her back and I'm like, hey, what's going on? And she's crying and she's oh. out of breath. And she's basically, and she tells me, she's, and I'm like, what's, what's going on? What's wrong? And she tells me, she's like, he raped me. She's like, I told him I couldn't breathe. I told him to get off of me, but he wouldn't stop. She's like, I was crying. I kept telling him stop, but he, he wouldn't get off of me. And she's like, I, I couldn't get him off of me. Um, and I, I remember I, I was just like in, in shock. And I, I and I was just like, where are you? You know, and she's, and I, I went to go pick her up. And I remember I, I didn't have a cab. I didn't have a driver. Yeah. Um, and I remember I saw this van that had like a cab sign on it. And I remember I ran up to him. I was like, excuse me, excuse me. Can you please take me? Like my friend is in crisis. Can you take me? And the guy is like, I'm not like in service right now. I'm like, please, please, like I'm begging you, like I need your help. Like, can you just take me? Like my friend needs me. 
And I think he could tell that I was, you know, in serious distress. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so he drove me there. And I remember I, I went to go get my friend and I took her back to my place and, and she was crying and she was shaking. And yeah, and I, I, I felt awful because I, I felt partially responsible because I had been there and I felt like I hadn't assessed the situation well enough for her. Yeah. Um, and, and also just, I was really, really angry um, that that had happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, and I, I basically like, I tried like encouraging her to like, Hey, like, let's try going to the police, um, you know, because you know, with under the current legislation, like we are, you know, legally allowed to be working, but there's, you know, a lot of parameters that make it illegal for us yes. to be working. But I feel like in the case of a predator, you know, the, the police would want to know. Um, yeah, yeah, of course. I, I may be naive in saying that. I don't know. Oh, we, we'd hope though. We'd hope. <laughs> yes. We're very optimistic. Yeah, and I mean, thankfully, there has been a case that just uh, went through in Ottawa of a client that had, um, you know, uh, harmed a lot of. Uh, oh wow! Really? Yes, and he was charged. So this is. Oh, thank God. Yeah, so this is a huge positive, um, and and a huge thank you to the workers who you know went to court and told their stories. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, but but anyways, my my friend at the time. Uh, she she basically said to me she's like no I, I don't want to go to the police um and she had even tracked like she, she we'd figured because because the first guy had talked to me so much and told me so much about himself mm-hmm. uh like even showed me like pictures of his children and showed me like his website business like, we were actually able to wow. like figure out who this other guy was that did this to her oh wow and, yeah yeah and, and and my friend was like oh I'm gonna email his wife and tell him what he did you know tell her what he did and and mm-hmm. I, I was like okay I mean if you want to do that you can do that but you know I, I think going to the police is probably you know maybe something a bit might be something better for us to do yeah Um, but she just she she was like no she's like I don't want to go she's like right now we might be under a liberal government but she's like what if the conservatives get voted back in we don't Mm -hmm. know what's going to happen she's like I don't want to have my name on the books connected to sex work she's like we never know how the laws are going to change and and how yeah yeah and I and I couldn't argue with her about that um you know it, it is a very valid concern that many of us have um so yeah so that's kind of just um a real example of you know with agencies you know how how dangerous they can be um i mean i number one i know though that that screening is a privilege that even many independent workers can Mm -hmm. uh, are you know are unable to screen Mm -hmm. um and, and it's just a um I feel it's a real side effect of the fact that we're working under this model of partial criminalization, Yes, you know, that our clients basically just, you know, get to, you know, use the excuse of, oh, well, I don't know if you're a police officer, you know, I I don't know uh, what you're going to do with my information. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No, it's silly. It's so silly. And like, yeah, I really like, it makes me so sad to hear stories like that. Cause it's not, unfortunately, like it's not the first time I've heard stories like that. And it it just really, really breaks my heart that like, I feel like sometimes when I hear of providers working with agencies, they think Uh that there's additional safety there. They think that maybe there is additional screening there. I'm not saying that like, 
all agencies are bad. I don't know because I've never worked for an agency. Yeah. Um, but like everyone I've talked to, and it's a good handful of people, they've all left under bad circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't know if that's just a trend or or the agencies here in Canada are just very sketch and very sus. I, mean, I I can't really speak to all of them. I can only no. speak to the three that I worked for. Uh, mm-hmm. Four. Yeah. Five. <laughs> like, wait a minute. Let me count. <laughs> I mean, like, because I'm just like counting through and I'm like, oh, I, I have so many stories. Like I could just go on with crazy stories for quite some time. <laughs> but I know we have other things to cover. <laughs> so many things. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, I think you did a really, really good job of kind of painting a picture on your own personal experience. And I want to stress your own personal experience because like your experience can vary from the next provider and the next exactly. companion. Right. So, exactly. but you know, it, it seemed like you enjoyed aspects of it. Yeah. Yes. Like none of them were perfect, um, which is why you decided to go independent. And Exactly. I mean, I would say that the things that I did, I mean, I would say pretty much the only thing that I liked about them was kind of the sense of like camaraderie and community mm-hmm. that we formed within and like the friendships that we made. Mm-hmm. Um, like being independent it is like we do form friendships but it sometimes does feel still like there is still like that aspect of competition that's mm-hmm. also kind of lurking in the background right um, but with that was one thing that I felt with um with agencies was like we all kind of we all made the same money we all kind of were working under the same conditions um and and we just kind of created certain friendships with each other and, you know, kind of had this, I don't know if the word would be like ride or die mentality with each other, which was like, we would go to bachelor parties and, um, you know, I would always be the girl that when it was kind of like our hour was up, I'd be like knocking on all the doors, checking right. on everybody being like, okay, it's time to go. And like making sure that like, you know, <laughs> we all got out together. <laughs> Yeah, that was great though, because like it's like you're looking out for each other. Because unfortunately, the agency is not doing that. Exactly, exactly, and so that's kind of like where I, I kind of, I felt like I kind of like stepped in, and I kind of like tried mm-hmm. to be like a bit of like the mom, and I'd like yeah, advice, you know, like especially like the new girls um, or the new workers. I mean, um, give people advice, just kind of like try and like make sure that you know we we all got out together and tried to protect each other as much as possible that's Um, really important it's almost like you're like giving back too you know yeah yeah and like on that note too like it was really nice hearing um when you first heard about and like were exposed to that collective in montreal Mm -hmm. they had i think camille you mentioned their name was yeah camille um it was nice for them to take the take you under their wing Mm mm-hmm and to show you the ropes too, because like as a person transitioning into independent work, that can be really, really overwhelming. And like, you don't really know what to do. <laughs> you yeah, don't know where yeah. to start. Like, I guess like in retrospect, looking back on that experience, what would you say like, and this is for anyone listening to that wants mm-hmm. to go independent, like how would you prioritize and what are some things to consider? Um, meaning like, what are the like kind of essential things that a person needs to go independent or uh, up to you? Like if like looking back on now, like if you were to redo the things over again, what would you have done 
kind of immediately in terms like prioritization or like what things would you have done differently? That is a very good question. Uh, (laughs) I mean, I mean, I guess I'd say that I, I would have tried to do more research into the industry instead of just jumping headfirst. Um, because I, I've like, I, I love sex work podcasts and I've listened to so many of them. And, um, there's been many times when like other workers have talked about how they got into the industry and they talk about how they, they read blogs and they did all this research and, you know, I, I didn't do any of that. I kind of was just like, I want to work. I want to make money. (laughs) Oh, they'll give me a thousand dollars. Let's go. Well, to be fair, like some of this stuff didn't even exist back then. Like I never listened to podcasts back in the day when I was on a seeking arrangement, being a baby, sugar baby, living out being a sugar baby. Like I didn't, there was no one talking about that back then. So it's like you're left to navigate on your own devices. Exactly. Exactly. And and I'd say also like this is one of the the huge pitfalls of FOSTA SESTA, particularly Mm -hmm. for uh, those working in the U.S. Because I mean, I don't know, but from what I've heard, a lot of these um, you know, networks and social support systems that we've created for each other here in Canada um, have been shut down and removed yes. in the U.S. Um, and, and honestly, I think that Twitter is is a huge source of community for us. Yeah, connected to me too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and I would be so sad if this resource was taken away from us eventually because of FOSTA SESTA. Um, yeah, there's been like lots of speculation like, oh, is Twitter going to be the next place to be censored or to be taken away or deplatformed and I'm just like oh I can't even imagine like what my life would be without sex work twitter (laughs) (laughs) Um, for me like sex work twitter is like a a huge part of my business and my branding Mm -hmm. and and community as well like I you know uh I feel like I've connected like I've connected with you and I feel like I've connected with other people in in other cities and countries um so yeah it would be really sad if that was taken away from us and I feel like when legislators pass this type of, you know, these types of bills, they're not really thinking about the people. They're just thinking about, yeah, disgusting. Let's get rid of them. Yeah. 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 They don't think about like the people that who who it might affect and what those repercussions could be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, along the lines of community, you found a lot of community within the collectives and that that's actually your first time I've heard about someone talk about that in depth. So it was really fascinating to hear mm-hmm. more about that. I'm like, wow, like su- such a great way to promote and like garner community within um, the cities that you're in. And I'm not going to name any of the the collectives that we have here, but like um, if anyone is curious in terms of like wanting to join these independent collectives, like mm-hmm. is there like, um, like how do you get listed? Like what is the verification process and stuff like that? Um, well, yeah. So, um, so basically you need to, um, you basically need to send an email to them. And if anybody is, um, interested in knowing about these collectives, they can just, um, DM me on Twitter and and I'll be happy to provide the names of them. Um, I'm just not saying them just as a way of protecting them. I I don't even know if I need to, but I feel like I should. No, totally. Um, yeah, I, when I was doing research, when I was planning on doing my, my thesis on the collectives, like I had kind of spoken about that with my professor and we'd kind of said like, oh yeah, maybe we should name them and kind of talk about them in different cities so we don't shed light on them. Um, but yeah, so if anybody needs any information about that, please uh, feel free to DM me. Um, but um, 
Oh, okay. So how do you get in? Yeah. How do you get in? Like, how do you get verified? Can you trust these collectives, et cetera? <laughs> I have so many questions. Um, so, yeah. So basically you, you send an email uh, through the website and then basically somebody will get back to you um, and they will ask if, um, if you know anybody already within the collective that could kind of be like a reference for you. So basically somebody they can vouch uh, for you. that can vouch for you, like basically like somebody like particularly somebody that's worked for you, uh, worked for you, worked with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like, you know, to vouch that, um, you, you know, you're safe to, to enter within the community and you're kind of not going to, um, cause any, any issues basically. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, because you never know if potentially like one of these third parties from an agency is trying to get in, um, you know, that, that could be a risk. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, I have a tickle in my throat. No, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so basically you just need somebody that can vouch for you. And if you don't have anybody that can vouch for you, um, then usually a member of committee will um find a way to meet with you okay um and then basically as well um you know your information is kind of posted on one of the channels um and kind of just saying like oh uh, you know let's say uh Michaela wants to join um does anybody know Michaela has anybody had any issues with Michaela in the past do you feel comfortable with her joining you know Mm -hmm. stuff like that yeah yeah okay yeah, so that's basically just like a way of protecting the community because, um, you know, on there we share references, we share um, bad dates. Yeah. Um, you know, people just will post about, um, you know, different, you know, like things that they're going through. Um, so it makes people feel better knowing that, um, you know, members who have access to these channels are trustworthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this makes sense. <clears throat> Sorry. No, that's okay. Um. So, yeah, I'm just, give me one tiny second. Can we pause? Yeah, let's pause. Let's pause. Thank you. Okay, let's continue. <laughs> so, yeah, they have a really, really interesting way of um, kind of verifying and also, yeah, to in order to protect the community, which yeah. I think is really, really, really important. So. Yeah, agreed. And, and as well, um, another thing that I had kind of written to you about is, um, so for me, when I was with the agencies, I... I didn't particularly feel bad about what I was doing, but I definitely did have a lot of internalized horophobia. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, um, going independent and joining collectives and, you know, being part of a community of like-minded individuals, um, many who were, you know, very proud about they, what they do, mm-hmm. um, really helped me overcome a lot of internalized horophobia that I was battling with. Um, so I think that's, that's also something that's super beneficial. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. And so, so for me, like collectives were just something that were just a really amazing resource, um, to have where, you know, we could create community and, uh, help each other out, be there for each other. Um, you know, like other things that we have are, uh, like safety check-in channels where basically, um, if you're going to go see a new client or even a client you've seen several times, you can kind of um, post the address of where you're going, the information, and uh, basically tell people, you know, like when you're, when you're going in, when you should be out. Mm -hmm. Um, And basically, you know, if, you know, 
something happens, um, there's kind of a, tr- a last like little trace of mm-hmm. you know, where you were, who you were with. So that, mm-hmm. you know, either the police can be alerted or we kind of have like a little, um, like a list of emergency contacts of, you know, let's say, you know, um, Shay doesn't uh, check in after her booking, um, then, you know, this is the emergency contact, contact this person, they'll know what the next steps are. Um, so that's, that's, really nice. that's so comforting. Yeah, exactly. It was something yeah. that made me feel um, really, really comfortable. And it was part mm-hmm. of the second collective that I joined. Um, and so when it was something that I noticed that we didn't have in the first, I ended up telling um, committee at the first collective, I was like, hey, like, you know, we have this channel over here. Um, it's super convenient and, and really is a great resource. Maybe we should add it on. And so that's something that was added on over there as well. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So nice. Yeah. Especially like for those who don't really or like are doing this uh, kind of in secrecy and they don't have any people that they can trust or confide in. I think that's a really, really great way of like, you know, communicating like where you're going to be and just to try as much as you can to ensure your safety and just to let, like, so let someone know basically. Big time. Big time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and as well, another really important resource that um, particularly during COVID um, really, really helped out a lot of workers um, was, I, I know particularly like in the city that I'm in right now, mm-hmm. um, we have, um, well, we had right now, it's, it's unfortunately it's depleted, but we had an emergency fund. Oh, wow. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And so the emergency fund, uh, since it started has given out, uh, I believe well over $35,000. Wow. Yeah. Um, That's yeah. um, let's pause one last time. My speaker is. Yeah, no way. Wow, that's really, really great. I'm so glad that you were able to share so much about these collectives. Again, like this is like newer information for me. So thank you so much for shedding light to that, especially for those who are maybe in Canada or like um, other parts of Canada or maybe North America. Mm-hmm. Seek out, like try to see if there's ways that you can seek out these collectives. It sounds like it's a really, really good thing. It's for the community, by the community. I'm always, uh, I can always get behind Um organizations like that so yeah I mean thank you so much for for highlighting that (laughs) I know we are running out of time here so there's just a few questions that came in but they're like few but mighty Mm -hmm. questions so if we can kindly go into that area that'd be great Mm -hmm. for sure let's do it perfect so the first question comes in from failure is not an option um and they are asking, how can the customer and the provider talk about services offered in a respectful way? Um, that is a very good question. Mm-hmm. Very um, good. Yeah. Um, because I, I mean, I know that some of us prefer not to discuss services. Yeah. Whereas others do. Um, personally, I, I, I personally don't like to discuss services. Um, mm-hmm. Because for me, it kind of feels um, very pressurized. Um, yeah. I kind of have to perform a set list of services when, honestly, um, it very much varies on chemistry for me. Totally. Um, how far I'll go with somebody and, and what I'm willing to do. Chemistry, uh, hygiene, <laughs> things like that. Yeah, I think it's a huge um, thing. Yeah. Mm. And, and I mean, generally, you can kind of look on a provider's um, FAQ Web page. Yeah. 
Yeah. Generally, there will be a little section where they will either list the services that they provide or they will simply say, kind of like, as I said, oh, well, um, you know, basically it varies upon chemistry. I prefer not to have a, a list of services, something along those lines, basically. Yeah. Um, and generally, like for providers who are more comfortable discussing services, you'll you'll see it on their website. They'll they'll advertise it more. Some of them will actually just have it all written out over there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen that too. Yeah. So I mean, I would say like really, it's it's important to read the website um, if yes. it's very important to you. I mean, you can certainly try and ask in a in a mm-hmm. in a polite That's manner. Right. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, and kind of see how how she responds to that um you know like I think that's kind of almost part of the pre-screening method for both the client and the provider totally yeah and I feel like a lot of the time your questions and concerns can be answered just by reading their Mm -hmm. website very much so many complaints people like did you read the fucking website no okay I'm not answering you Yep. <laughs> we don't want to sound like a broken record, but like just use your eyes. <laughs> yeah, big time. Uh, okay, this is a big one. This one came from Samantha Knox, who Ooh. is a wonderful person on the show, as well as uh, she always provides really thought-provoking questions. So mm. it's a two-parter. So the first part of the question is, do you believe the current Bill C-36 legislation makes it easier for third parties, so like agencies, spas, clubs, circuit bro- uh, bookers, um, to violate our labor rights and to exploit us? Um, that's a, that's a mixed bag. Um, yeah, because I would say under the current laws, technically we should be able to, um, have power over third parties. Mm -hmm. Um, because as far as I know, we are, I mean, I'm not sure actually. So don't, don't, don't quote me on this, but as far as I know, we, we are allowed potentially to hire a, you know, a third party to help us. Um, but I, I'm not too sure about that actually. Um, mm-hmm. but, but basically, um, at least by the laws that we have right now, if, and this is how in a perfect world it should be, is that if a third party is exploiting us, we should be able to go to the police and, um, say, Hey, this is happening. I need help. Um, but unfortunately, kind of going back to the story of my friend, mm-hmm. um, because we're we're operating <clears throat> under a model of partial criminalization, and technically, we are de facto criminalized by them by our by our sorry by our clients being criminalized. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of puts sex workers in this weird situation where we yeah. don't feel safe still coming forward to the police. We definitely don't feel safe to coming forward to police. Like no. someone asked me on another podcast, which is not even sex work related, but I was on the Filipino Fridays podcast and they were asking me like, Oh, like, do you feel supported? And I said, no, <laughs> like yeah. plain and simple. We don't have, um, we don't have that support here because of, um, the way that sex work is looked at and treated like, like we're not seen as human beings and we're not seen like our work is not seen as legitimized. Exactly. Exactly. We're, we're pretty much regarded, you know, we're, we're kind of dehumanized um, yes. or infantilized and or the- yeah, or, or just, you know, I mean, because that is essentially exactly what the laws are 
currently there there really are infantilizing us and saying that you know we we don't have we are not of sound mind to decide whether or not we are uh, being exploited we we can't make up those decisions for ourselves therefore the government has to decide for us right um but yeah so so returning back to the question i would say yeah definitely the laws that we have right now are making it uh easier for third parties to exploit us because until I, I, I strongly feel until we are under a full model of decriminalization, I don't think that any of us are going to feel safe mm-hmm. uh, to come forward to the police. I, I mean, not any of us, maybe some people do. And, you know, thank you to those that do come forward and, you know, take that risk. Yeah. Um, but I would say the vast majority of us do not feel like the police are on our side and like we can go to them and that then, um, you know, leaves room for third parties to exploit us. That's a great answer. And I I think, um, yeah, basically what you said, everything that you said there was kind of, yeah, and I'm in agreement. I'm in agreement with that. I cannot speak anymore. <laughs> I cannot talk anymore. Oh my god, it's been a long day. Yeah, but I feel like a lot of us, at least, um, and I'm not talking about everyone, but like at least the majority of my podcast, if not all, would, mm-hmm. would agree with you, 100. Mm-hmm. percent So, well, I I thought about the answer to that question for a while. <laughs> it's a big one. It's really, it's really good. Yeah. But there's also part two of that question. So. Okay. Matt asks, what do you believe is needed to create a safer or safer workspaces for workers who utilize third parties? Um, well, I, I mean, in a perfect world, what I, the way I think it should be is that um, we need full decriminalization, mm-hmm. um, not only of Canadian citizens, but of all sex workers, inclu- including migrant sex workers. Yes. Yeah. Um, Amen. Yeah. Uh, because this is another topic that you've been talking about a lot on your podcast and that I as well, when I was doing research, you know, fell onto those um, topics. Um, So yeah, so we need, we need full decriminalization for all workers that wish to participate within the sex work industry. Mm -hmm. Um, And honestly, I feel that if we are going to be engaging with third parties, I feel like there should be a collective in every city. Yeah, that'd be great. I don't even know if we have any here in Vancouver. Not to my knowledge, I I remember when I had participated in a conference, um, somebody came up to me and told me that she would actually love uh, for me to come down to Vancouver and kind of help them figure out how to start one. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and I had heard that they had been trying to, but then when the laws in 2014 got passed, they kind of gave mm-hmm. up. Um, so once again, the laws need to be changed. Yeah, 100%. They're working against us, not for us. And yes. yeah. Um, so yeah, so I would say in the perfect world, the way it would be is that there would be full decriminalization for all workers that want to work uh, within the industry. There would be collectives in every city. And then if uh, members within the collective wanted to hire third parties for themselves, then that's oh. them choosing um, who they want to hire either individually for themselves, for their own business, or mm-hmm. potentially workers could come together and, you know, pay the salary of, you know, somebody who would answer uh, maybe three, four, five different uh, workers' uh, emails for them or phone calls or whatever. Yeah. Um, basically, yeah, basically putting the power in the hands of the worker who right. is, in fact, going out there on the front lines, doing the work themselves, uh, 
you know, earning that money, it should be up to us as individuals if we want to um, reach out to third parties. Mm -hmm. Um, And as well, I feel like if there were collectives in every city and it was decriminalized, then it wouldn't be something that would be hidden. Mm -hmm. Um, It would be something that maybe a quick Google could pull up for you. Um, And there would then be that community that would be there for you when you started. um, And that could provide you with the knowledge that you need for how to go about um, creating your own business and, you know, having all of those tools there for you. Granted, yes, they're, they're, how do I put this? To become independent, there is a certain level of privilege and money mm-hmm. yes. you have, you know, for like setting up a website, paying for your photos, lingerie, all of these things. But again, if, if there were collectives in every city and they all had emergency funds, part of those emergency funds maybe could go towards helping workers with these things because the collective that I'm part of over here, we have helped uh, workers pay for photos and other things or even ads through emergency fund money that they applied for. Um, so awesome. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's something that's really incredible and um, it's a really amazing resource. And I, I feel like that should, that should be there for everybody. And, and I think that would be, I mean, in a perfect world where things were decriminalized, I feel like kind of that is how the trajectory of how things should go. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. 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 I guess we'll just have to wait and see or try to force change to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I've, honestly, I think we've done an, enough of waiting and seeing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the, so. the case that they um, – I, I know that they they reapplied to uh, yeah. C36. So yes. fingers crossed that um, there's been enough research now coming out of New Zealand and, you know, mm-hmm. also research of seeing of how so many of us were left behind in the pandemic because of the current legal model. Um, yes. Hopefully something good will, will come. Will come out of that, yeah. yeah. And and as well as not to be um, to bring up you know sad topics, but I, I'm sure maybe you heard about what happened um, recently in Montreal. I did hear about that. Yeah, about that too. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, all of these tragedies and and evidence that we have already pointing to the issues with the current laws will will maybe help bring this case forward and and give us the results that we we were hoping for and we need. Absolutely. And just, again, with the aim of, well, one, destigmatizing sex work, yeah. but also just creating safe safe spaces as, like, this question is asking. So yeah. yes. I think that's a really, really great way to end the show today, the episode. Elizabeth, it was so nice to have you on. But before I let you go, where can we find you? Uh, yeah. So you can find me on Twitter. Um Ellie Weiss, O-T-T, so E-L-L-I-E-W-E-I-S-Z, O-T-T. Um, you can also find my website, meetelizabethweiss.com, and you can find me on Instagram also under Ellie Weiss underscore O-T-T, spelled the same way as my Twitter. And yeah, it's really been a pleasure chatting with you. Yes, yes. And anyone who's listening, again, like, don't feel free to reach out to Ellie um, if you are curious about collectives or any kind of, like, questions you might have, too, that maybe you didn't want to publicly ask on the show. So the DMs are open. (laughs) Yes, my DMs are always open for other sex workers. If you have any questions, 
about how to go independent or you're struggling within your agency and you kind of just want to know, is this normal? Should I be worried? Um, my DMs are open. Um, and yeah, you can just follow me. I'll follow you back. And yeah. <laughs> we'll go from there. <laughs> what I did, I slid into the DMs too, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just my DMs are closed um, for people that I'm not following back. Just because when I first started Twitter, um, I had many <laughs> guys up in the DMs being like, hey, yes. baby, what do you oh, want <laughs> Not that. <laughs> if you are another fellow sex worker, I my DMs are always open, and I would love to help out in any way I can. So yeah, so great. Thank you so much, Ellie. We're gonna plug all the links in the show notes below if you haven't checked it out already. Over this now and a half episode, packed episode today. <laughs> And don't forget new episodes every single Sunday. Season three is wrapping up real soon. And I don't know who my last guest will be for the season, but we'll see, we'll, we'll see uh, who it is. We'll just have to stay tuned for next week. So again, new episodes every sun Sunday. Don't forget to like, rate, share, review, and subscribe. Maybe rate me five stars on Apple. Subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. And that's it for today, folks. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for coming on the show today. And we'll catch everyone in for another episode next week. Yes. <laughs> Bye. Bye. You're listening to Strip by Sia. Hosted, produced, and edited by Steph Sia. Artwork by Maria Bellanzarama. Music by Ted D. And photography by Ian Dabern.